Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to open them to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be together today. We are finishing, of course, uh, our series that we've looked at, the Sermon on the Mount, asking how should we live as Christians in an unchristian world. And so we have looked all the way through Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7. Last week, we began what is known as the postscript, or that is the ending of the Sermon on the Mount. Particularly, we looked at three stories or accounts that Jesus gives to us that helps us understand what we are supposed to do with the information that he's given us in the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we'll continue looking at that postscript, and we're going to begin in verse 24 and go through the end of the chapter as Jesus is going to remind us again, as he did last week, that we have to make a decision. For the fourth time, Jesus is going to tell us. He's going to clearly call us to decide if we're going to follow him or if we're going to follow the world. We have to make that decision for ourselves. Those disciples, as they're sitting on that hillside, anticipating this ministry that Jesus is about to begin, he's telling them, do you want to be with me? Are you for me? Are you going to go with me? Are you going to do what it takes in order to be a messenger of the new gospel that I am giving to this world? And he calls us to the same thing as we live in a world that is unchristian, that needs the gospel. Are we going to make the decision to follow him? Last week we said it, and I'll say it again. This is a decision that each of us have to make. We can't depend on someone else to make it for us. We can't depend on our parents or our grandparents who have made it for themselves to apply it to our lives. It's something that all of us must determine to do. And when we do, there are eternal consequences. Last week we talked about verses 21 through 23 where those of us that determine to follow Christ, there will be a day when he sees us and he knows our name and he calls us eternally to abode with him. But not only are there eternal consequences, Jesus' illustration that he gives us today helps us to recognize that choosing him, they have temporary consequences as well. Trusting Jesus has temporary consequences in our lives today. Let's begin reading in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7 and see what Jesus tells us about those consequences in our lives. He says in verse 24 of chapter 7, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the, the floods came, the winds blew, and it beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Let's pray together. God, help us this morning as we walk through this passage of Scripture together to remind us, Lord, that not only must we make the decision to follow you, but God, that there are consequences in our decision. What we build our life upon, Lord, will have consequences in the way we live our lives and certainly also unto our eternity. 
And so, God, this morning, help us, encourage us, let your Holy Spirit convict us and draw us, Lord, to this point and this declaration that we're going to build our house on the rock. We're going to build our house on your words and upon your authority, God. Let your Holy Spirit remind us, Lord, of the necessity of making that decision, each one of us in this room, to decide. We're going to build, not on the shifting sand, but, God, we're going to build on the solid rock. God, as your spirit moves in and among us this morning, Lord, let him speak individually. But God, but God, also help us as a church to see that we also have to make this declaration. Who or what are we going to follow? What are we going to depend upon, Lord? It must be the authoritative words of Jesus. So help us all, Lord, individually and corporately, God. Help us, help us all. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Jesus is going to use this parable or this little story to remind us that we not only need to hear Jesus' words, we not only need to hear what Jesus is saying to us, but we need to apply them in our lives. One commentator said, and I love this, he says, the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is not meant to be admired. It's meant to be obeyed. And there's a sense by which we can look at this passage of Scripture this morning and we can mentally understand what Jesus is saying, that that our lives need to be built on the rock and not on the sand. And, And we can hear what Jesus is teaching us and yet not follow through with doing that which he is requiring for us. See, that's the first thing I think that Jesus wants us to know from this passage of Scripture is that there is wisdom in doing the words of God. There is wisdom in following the precepts of our Lord. Sometimes in the Baptist church in particularly, and understanding how we know that you get your salvation, there can be a hesitation to talk about works. There can be a hesitation to talk about doing very much. Because sometimes we can, it can sound as if what we're saying is, is that our doing will lead to our salvation. And I want to be sure that we understand that that's not what Jesus is teaching. That's not what the New Testament teaches. As a matter of fact, James, Jesus' half-brother, would absolutely deny that we can work ourselves into any salvation. But we have to also see that while Jesus recognizes that our salvation comes as a result of his grace and our faith, we also need to know that there is an expected an expectation of obedience to the precepts that Jesus gives those who follow him. So repeatedly, we find Jesus saying that we ought to walk a certain way. We ought to do certain things. We ought to live in a certain manner, not to earn our salvation, but because there is wisdom in doing the words of God. As a matter of fact, in this passage of Scripture, as the postscript of this Sermon on the Mount, just between verses 21 through 26, three times Jesus indicates to us and those disciples that were on that hillside that our doing is of great consideration in the life of the disciple. Remember, beginning in verse 21, who is it that will enter the kingdom of heaven? This is what the word says. The one who does the will of the Father. And then as he makes this contrasting statement between the foolish man and the wise man, or verse 24 and verse 26, it's the one who hears the words of Jesus and does them that will be able to walk through the difficult storms of life. 
You see, we can't avoid, as followers of Jesus, our salvation comes by grace through faith, but there is also an expectation of our works. And in this parable, this little story that Jesus gives to us, he's instructing us in the manner in which we walk that it is significant how we walk. It is significant the actions that we take. And we will only be known as wise when we are able to walk in the precepts of the Lord. You see, you find nowhere in the New Testament where disobedience to the precepts of Jesus is acceptable. There is nowhere in the New Testament where we are given obedient, we are given instructions to be disobedient to the things that God has instructed us. Again, it is not our salvation, but it is plainly an expectation that comes out of our salvation. And Jesus is telling us this very thing in this little story that he gives us, how you do the words of God, how you understand the words of God will determine if you are considered a wise man or a foolish man. You see, our faith, our faith, our belief system rests in this balance. We are, in fact, his disciples because of his grace and our faith, and yet our obedience marks us as one who follows him. And so it brings us all, I think, to a, a question that we have to consider. Is my life marked by obedience? Because it seems to me the New Testament model says that the wisdom or the wise are doing the things of God and the foolish do not. But where do we sit? Where is our obedience? It is, it's a call for us to recognize the way that we walk, the things that we do, the actions that we are involved in and determine whether or not we truly are among the wise. Jesus begins here by recognizing this wisdom, the wisdom of obedience to the things that Jesus has taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. And truly, we've told, I've said this sermon series is called How to Live as a Christian in an unchristian world. There's no doubt, and there should be no doubt in your mind, that if truly we are going to make a difference living as Christians in this unchristian world, it is only going to be because we are walking in the wisdom of the obedience of our Savior. So Jesus reminds us of this point here in this little story that he tells to his disciple. But he not only points to the wisdom of doing, he reminds us also about the truth of the storms in our life. Look at what he says in verse 25 when he talks about the wise man. Verse 25, he's talking about the wise man. He said, the rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been formed, it had been founded on the rock. And then look at what he says in verse 27 about the foolish man. Listen, verse 27 about the foolish man. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Did you hear that? The rain came, the floods followed, the wind blew, and it beat upon the house in both the home of the wise man as well as in the home of the foolish man. He says Jesus is standing on that hillside teaching those disciples. He wants them to have no false expectation of the life to which he is calling them. He doesn't want them to have any false expectations about the walk that is to come, that there is a reality of storms Storms that are going to be present in the life of the wise and storms that are going to be present also in the life of the foolish. 
You might say, well, that's not the message of that passage of Scripture there. And it may not be the message of this passage of Scripture, but it's certainly an observation we cannot skip over. Consider it. These disciples, they're determining whether or not they're going to follow Jesus. They're sitting on that hillside. He's teaching him. He just recently has called them to be his followers. They're making a decision of whether or not they're going to follow him. And Jesus says... Remember from last week, if you follow me, you're not going to be on the easy broad path. You're going to be on the difficult narrow path. And now he says, if you follow me, even if you're wise and build your home, build your home upon the foundation of the rock, there are still going to be storms that come. They need to know that even, even if they decide to follow him, that there's going to be pres the presence of storms in their lives. You see, Jesus is saying to them, Prepare yourself for the storm. Prepare yourself for the rain. Prepare yourself for the flood. Prepare yourself for the wind. Prepare yourself for it to rage against you because even if you are wise and build on the rock, the storm is going to come. We know this. We know this because this is the way our lives are. Those of us that are in this room, we, we profess, hopefully, that Jesus Christ is our Savior. We're building our lives on His foundation, and yet still, there are storms that rage in our life. There are difficulties that come our way. It's not a question if storms will come, but what is the foundation that our home is built upon? This is what Jesus wants them to see. And obviously, those disciples, those that follow him into his ministry, there is no doubt they will see storms. They will experience storms, even following Jesus in, in person to person, the, the incarnate Christ walking with him, they still will experience storms. Not only storms like death and sickness, but they literally will experience storms. Do you remember, I was thinking about this, this this biblical example came to my mind that I think is really important for us to understand as we consider the expectation of storms. The disciples were literally in a storm with Jesus. As they were going across the Sea of Galilee, literally a storm rose, and they believed their ship was going to be overtaken. They believed that death was imminent. Do you remember that? And the whole while they're struggling to keep the boat afloat, Jesus, we are told, is underneath asleep on a pillow. Those disciples go and they wake him up and they say, Jesus, you've got to help us in the midst of this storm. And Jesus rises, he goes to where they are, he looks at them in the face and says, you of little faith. And then he says to the storm, what? Be still. You see, the presence of storms, they're going to be in the life of the wise and the unwise. The question is not... Are we going to have storms? The question is, are we going to have storms with Jesus in our boat? You see, because that makes all the difference. As we face the storms of life, what matters the most is not when they came, how often they came, or how destructive they were. The question that matters the most is, is Jesus going to be with us? These disciples knew storms were going to rage but if they built their house on the rock, if they built their house on the words of Jesus, they would not be shaken. So there is this expectation of storms, but there also is 
the wisdom of building on the rock. The wisdom of building on the rock. These two contrasting illustrations. They are used to help us to see the folly of building your life in the world or on the sand versus building your life on the things that Jesus has spent his time instructing them in this sermon on the mount. When the storms come, there is only one foundation that will be able to withstand the storm, right? It's the life that's built on the words of Jesus. There should be no doubt or confusion among us. Jesus is declaring here that his own words, the truths that he has offered in this Sermon on the Mount, they are the things that will withstand the test of time. They will withstand the rage of of the storm. So when Jesus teaches us to be salt and light, when he teaches us to have being pure in thought and pure in heart, to live with a kingdom perspective, these words of Jesus lived in daily practice will allow us to be able to overcome the raging storm that happens in our life. Important for us to note that Jesus believed himself that his words were worthy of obedience. The disciples believed the same. Look at verse 28 and 29. Those disciples who were sitting there that day, they heard Jesus' voice, and what did they say? When Jesus finished these teachings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. You see, Matthew is the one that's writing this gospel. Matthew apparently and the other disciples, it seems, understood that what Jesus was offering to these disciples were not just empty words or good teachings. They were the authority of God. And sometimes we read Jesus' words in Scripture and we think, man, that's a good teaching. A good example of this is the golden rule. I skipped it in this sermon series. But the golden rule is found inside of this passage of Scripture. Christians, agnostics, atheists, Buddhists, it doesn't matter what you are. Everyone believes in the golden rule. There are people who do not follow Jesus Christ that would say, yes, do unto others as you have them do unto you. But you see, for us, as we're hearing these words of Jesus, we hear it differently than the world does. These are not just a collection of good teachings from a man who lived a long time ago. These are not just good teachings that will make your life better now. This is not just a series of good teachings that we ought to consider in our minds and contemplate whether or not we can apply them. These teachings that Jesus offers us is the Word of God. They carry the authority of God. And since God's authority has been given to us through the very words of Jesus Christ, it is upon these that we must build our lives. We must build our lives upon the words of Jesus himself. Jesus desires for these disciples on that hillside not just to hear what he's saying and make a mental assent to them. He wants them to hear them be obedient to them they're not just to be admired remember they're to be obeyed this is what Jesus desires from his people they're going to determine to follow him ultimately as we saw last week in the first three examples of this postscript the last thing we have to note from this final illustration from this postscript is that there must be a decision you see it's evidence that there has to be a decision that's made The wise man builds his house on a rock and the 
foolish man builds his house on the sand. Well, somebody has to decide how you're going to build your house, and that decision rests solely in your hands. Certainly, the preacher can't make those decisions for you, just like last week. Your parents can't make that decision for you. You must determine upon which you're going to build your house on the authoritative words of Jesus or on the shifting sand words of our world. Each of us have to make the determination upon what precepts we're going to live. Upon what declarations are we going to mold and make our lives? You can choose to build your life on the world and its plans and expectations. And in time, a storm is going to come and it is going to destroy you. You can build your life on everything the world tells you is great and glamorous. And in time, a storm is going to come and it will destroy you. These are the words of Jesus. Or we can determine to live build our home and our lives on Jesus' words, on the rock, as he has instructed us to do. And the storm will come and it will rage and we will stand because the words of God does not fade away, but we must choose the broad way or the narrow way. See, we have to choose to be a fruit producer or to be a faker. We have to choose to to do the will of the Father or to do our own will. We have to decide to build our house on the sand or to build our house on the rock. You see, from the beginning of this sermon series, as we as a nation are in the midst of turmoil and a place that we've never been before, both physically and politically and worldly as we are as a nation, we, if we want to make a difference in the world that we live, we've got to be a people that build our homes upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. You see, if we build our homes, if we build our lives no different than the world does, we will never make a difference in the world in which we live. We're supposed to be different. Our foundation is is solid. And so my hope from the beginning of this living as Christians in an unchristian world is to mark us as followers of Jesus Christ that there should be no doubt in our minds that if we're going to make a difference in the world that we're going to be able to stand the storm because we're following Jesus with all of our heart, with everything that we are. The storms that just come in ordinary life, the storms that come because of our frail, diseased bodies, the storms that potentially may come as a result of religious persecution, even in our own nation we thought never would get here. If we're going to be able to survive those storms, it's only going to be because we have a sure foundation of Jesus under our feet. We will not be prepared for the rain to fall. We will not be prepared for the wind to blow unless we determine that we're going to build our lives on the rock of the words of Christ. Truly, the way that we should live as Christians in this unchristian world is to take his words and do them. That's what Jesus is asking of his disciples. Take my words and do them. Yes, even if it calls for your death. You see, those disciples that are sitting on that hillside, they will die because they determined to build their lives on the rock. Their lives will literally be taken from them. 
because they determined to live their lives on the words of Jesus. But even though their life be taken, they are simply removed from this world and entered into the presence of their Savior. Upon what will you build your life? The rock or the shifting sand? The storms, they're coming. They're coming. Will you be able to withstand the rain as it floods and the wind as it beats? A guy by the name of William Borden graduated from high school in Chicago in 1904. 1904. He came from a very wealthy family. He had everything the world could possibly offer you. Literally, he graduated high school when he was 16 years old in 1904, and his parents paid for him to sail across the world for his graduation present. A man that had everything the world could offer. William Borden, when he got back from this world tour, he went to his parents and he went to his friends and he said, the Lord has called me to be a missionary. One of his friends told him, why would you waste your life being a missionary? Look at the money that you have. Look at the opportunity that you have. Look at what you could do in the world. Do you know Do you know what wealth will bring you? He finished Yale. It's pretty impressive. And when he finished Yale, he immediately began to sail to China. But William Borden stopped in Egypt on his way to China because he wanted to learn Arabic. And his hope was, when he got to China, was to minister to the Muslims in the area. And so as he was in Egypt learning Arabic, he contracted spinal meningitis. And at the age of 25, William Borden died never reaching China, never ministering to the Muslims in China, 25 years old. Remember what his friend told him when he graduated high school and he told everyone he was going to be a missionary. He said, man, you're going to waste your life. You're going to waste everything that you have. William Borden dies and is buried in Egypt. His Bible and all of his possessions are sent back home to his parents. And his parents get his Bible and they open the Bible up to the front cover and in great big letters, William Borden has written the words, no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. He wasn't saving anything. He was not running away from what the Lord had called him to do. And he regretted not one moment the life that he had given. You see, a man can say, even at 25 years old and at his death, a man can say no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets because his life was built upon the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Reflect back. The verses 21 through 23. Whenever Jesus tells us a story of a man who goes and stands before him, 
And he says, God, I did all of this stuff for you. Remember that? I prophesied in your name. I healed in your name. I did all these wonderful, miraculous things inside of your name. And we are told that Jesus will look at that guy and say, I never knew you. Because your foundation wasn't the rock. Your foundation wasn't Jesus. But the man who places his life, the man who orders his steps based on the foundation of the words of Jesus, even if his life is taken from him at 25 years old, he can declare no reserves, no retreat, and no regret. Because to leave this place with a foundation of Jesus under your feet is to enter into the presence where he says to us, Welcome, my son. You I know. Come on. You see, all of us, we ought to live our lives this way. Built on the foundation of Jesus. Whatever you call me to, God. I have no reservations. I'm going to follow, I'm going to follow you. I'm never going to turn aside. And at the end, I'll have no regrets. If you build your life, if you build your life on the sand, you're going to get to a point in your life where you're going to have regrets. Things are going to shift underneath you. Cracks are going to begin to show up in your life. and You're going to realize that everything around you is not stable. You turn around one day and say, man, I wish I had built earlier on the rock. But if we will build on the rock today, we will make that decision. There is an expected decision here. If we will make that decision to build our lives on the rock, I guarantee you, you will have no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. No regrets. God, truly, you have told us that if we will follow in your ways, God, if we will be obedient to your words, Lord, we can live the life that William Borden has modeled for us, a life with no reserves, no retreats and no regrets. God, so many of us have regrets in our lives. I have regrets in my life, Lord. Moments when my life was built on the sand and it shifted underneath me and what I thought would make me happy no longer made me happy. What I thought would make me content no longer made me content. Constantly, Lord, having to find something else to feel something in my life that was absent and then, Lord, when we find it and we build our life on it, the gospel, it doesn't shift underneath us anymore. Our contentment's found in you. Our hope is found in you. Our happiness is found in you. Our joy is found in you. God, our life is found in you. And, Lord, our, our eternity is found in you. And, God, it never shifts from underneath us. It's always solid because it's the authoritative gospel of our Savior, Jesus. God, help us to build our lives on the words of God. Help us to build our lives, Lord, on the authority of the Scripture. And then, Lord, no matter what happens, when the storm comes, when the rain comes and the floods follow and the wind blows and it beats upon the house, we will stand firm like the wise man. 
God, help us as we stand and worship in just a moment to ask ourselves, upon what are we building? And to determine today, Lord, that we're going to build our, we're going to build our life, Lord. We're going to build it, but we're going to build it upon the truths of the gospel and your word. Be with us as we worship. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.